Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Okay, let me just ask a couple questions while Kathy just brought that out. Is there anybody that just seems like um, husbands, wives, or it could be children, it could be circumstances, it could be a business that you're in, that it just seems like people are irritating you a little more than normal. It just seems like it's just going on. Come on, any, anybody relate, okay? Can anybody relate with disappointments, okay? Um, it just seems, I don't know about you, but it just seems like we break through, we get things are going good, and then all of a sudden somebody close to us or somebody around us disappoints us. Can anybody relate with that? Okay, like unrelenting disappointments, Proverbs 13, 12 message, unrelenting, like time after time after time, okay? Uh, unrelenting disappointments make the heart sick, but a sudden good break turns things around. How many want to look for the sudden good break? Come on. And how about this? So the irritant over there, and how about pressure? Kathy just said, it just see, I don't know about you, but it just seems like there's so much pressure that seems to be going on, and it's not... Once in a while, it just seems like, okay, get through something, and then it just seems like you can feel it, and the pressure at times is so thick and is so heavy that you literally got to praise your way out of it and speak the word. Come on. Anybody relate? And how about this here? You feel abandoned, you feel isolated, or maybe you're here this morning and you feel a little bit dry in your walk and your journey, and you're just wondering, you're at church today, you know you got to do this, you know you got to do that, and you're doing all the right things. But as Kathy mentioned a moment ago, the joy just doesn't seem like it's there. So can anybody relate with what I just said? If you can, just stand up on any of those points. Just to stand up. Just stand up if you can relate on any of those there points, okay? Now, everybody look at somebody that's standing up and just say, this word's for you. And everybody said amen. Okay. Now, I'm ready to get rocking over here. You can be seated. In the Bible, I've watched something over many, many years, and it seems like the longer that I'm in it, I've been preaching now for 48 years, and it seems like the longer that I'm in it, the less it seems like I know. Okay, it just, that's how God's Word is, okay? How many know it keeps you dependent upon Him, and I need the Holy Spirit today more than any? I had a, 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 one of my spiritual sons from Brampton called me the other day, and he said, he said, Pastor Rick, he says, I've been praying. No, I pray for you every day. And he says, he says, I just sense that you're coming into an understanding of the Word of God and a revelation of the Word of God that's going to be beyond anything that you've ever experienced in all your years. Well, I believe I'm entering the most fruitful years of my life right now. See, I was a slow bl blossom, a, a slow learner, slow everything when I started off in life. Um, I had came from a very dysfunctional home. And in the home, there was so much yelling and so much fighting and so much bickering. That's, that's all we ever know. And then all I heard as growing up was the only reason we're together is because of you kids. And so then you go into a performance-based behavior to try to do everything right so mom and dad wouldn't get into fights. And so, so that's the upbringing that I did. You know, people ask me if I speak other languages. And I said, well, the only other language I can interpret a bit is the Italian language. And they said, oh, really? And I said, yeah. I says, I, I can't speak it, but I can understand certain words. And it was all the swear words that my parents used to say at one another. Okay? I can remember that. So if anybody's cussing me out in Italian, I can interpret it. Okay? So, all right. So I say all that there because in the Word of God, I found out that there's patterns. And those patterns aren't just there to take space. 
Those patterns are, are laws that are going on in the spiritual realm that's affecting in the natural realm. And I found out one of the greatest detriments in the kingdom of God today is when we take a scripture out of its passage and out of its setting, but we don't know what was set prior to that, and we don't know what was said after that there and how important it is afterwards. So let me just give you an example. How many know Mark chapter 4 comes before Mark chapter 6? That's a deep revelation, isn't it? Okay, and how about, how about Luke chapter 8 comes before Luke chapter 9? Wow, Pastor Rick, tell us something more on that there. Okay, Matthew 13 came before Matthew 14. Isn't that good? Wow, you can actually go home and say, man, I just learned some math stuff. Pastor Rick told me that 13 came before 14. All right, now I say all that there because a lot of times we go in to chapter 14 or we go into chapter 9 or we go into chapter 6 and we don't know what was spoken beforehand. So when there's a pattern in the story, it says giving, forgiving, and thanksgiving is a book that I wrote on and it's all taken from the loaves and the fishes from Matthew 14, from John chapter 6, Luke chapter 9, and, and, and Mark chapter 6. It's taken from those four, and it says exactly the same word. He took the bread, he blessed it, or he gave thanksgiving. Come on now. And then what? He broke it, and then he what? Gave it to his disciples, and then he dispersed it, and then the multiplication came in. How many could say that's an incredible miracle that took place? And he says it four different times. So we understand, and I can teach on the five and the two and the biblical numerics and then the, the number 12. I can give you that whole teaching today, but that's not really what's on my heart to share with you today. But it was taken what happened beforehand and what happened afterward. Do you know what happened just before the miracle of the loaves and fishes? You know what happened? John the Baptist was beheaded just prior to the loaves and fishes. And three of the four gospel writers accurately just bring that out. And the other one, John, didn't bring it out because we know that his whole writing was the last nine months of the ministry of Jesus. And John was already in prison in John chapter 2, and he never got out of prison. So that's another story. But three of the four gospels say specifically make reference to John the Baptist. Why did he put that in about the beheading of John the Baptist right before the miracle breakthrough of the loaves and fishes? Because the aspect of forgiveness was huge to God for the breakthrough. Come on now. And if we don't understand this here, there's a test usually before a breakthrough comes in your life, before a breakthrough comes in my life. We usually go through a season, as I described earlier, of isolation, of rejection, of abandonment, of, of, of confusion sometimes, and even questioning and doubting in certain areas of our lives. And so what I found out is that test came first, and Jesus had to, <coughs> had to go up to his father to get, to get the mind of God on that there. And then he came down, and what did he do? He encouraged his disciples, and then he went right in, and he multiplied the loaves and the fishes. But he had to understand that Jesus was close to John. They weren't distant relatives, okay? They were relatives, but also they knew each other. His disciples knew John's disciples and vice versa. It wasn't like we have big towns today. It was a small little town where they all grew up in, and it was all in that region of the Galilee where they started off. 
And so I say all that there because Jesus had to disinfect his disciples in order for the loaves and fishes to be multiplied. Come on. So the test came first. There's test in your relationships. There's test in your marriages. There's test in your home. There's test in your family. There's test in your church. There's test in the job. There's test in your finances that you will all be challenged with first before the miracle breakthrough took place over in Matthew 14. In the same respect, and I looked again, and I read just happened what happened just before the beheading of John, and I saw, saw this in three of the four gospel writers. And I saw this here, and I said, okay, why is this here there? It says Jesus could there do no mighty works in his own hometown. That's just prior to the loaves and fishes because personal rejection will come first. And then what's going to happen, the breakthrough. So Jesus, it says, he could there do no mighty works because of their unbelief. Come on, church. How many know unbelief will block the miracles from happening? So why does it say three of the four gospels before the loaves and the fishes are multiplied first, and then it goes on and it speaks those there first? Because the condition is in all of our lives, we're going to go through some painful things. We're going to go through some betrayals inside of our life. As a matter of fact, I have learned this here. Every time in my personal life, every time there's been a personal betrayal, and I'm not here to develop it or to hit any of the individuals that it came from, and I believe everybody's betrayed someone at a time, but also not only, not only we have we betrayed somebody else, but we've all been betrayed. How many can relate? Come on. Okay, and so Jesus went through all that because he understands it. The Bible says in the night in which he was betrayed, of all the things of the Last Supper that he brought out, isn't it amazing that all he brought out was the betrayal? So I'm saying all that there because personal challenges and personal defeat are the springboards in to the miraculous, are the springboards in. They are the catalyst that God can take and use to spring you into another dimension of miracles, to spring you into the destiny that God has, to spring you into the hope that he has, to spring you into the future. They're springboards. They're not meant to take you out. The devil means them to take you out. But God uses them if we keep the right attitude as the springboards to launch us up. And Jesus did exactly that. Peter, let, let me just use the, uh, the story of Peter for just a moment. Peter, how many know, was, uh, was cocky? How many know Peter, he had it all together? How many know Peter was the, the biggest mouth of all the other 11 disciples? Peter was the one that had the biggest mouth. Everybody knows that, right? And remember what came up just before? He, he said, hey, listen, they might all deny you. Because Jesus goes and said, hey, listen, the night's coming, the pressure's on, the heat's on. You're all going to deny me. He says, I'll never Never deny you. He said, they can all go, but I'll die for you, and I'll do this and that. And how many know Jesus said, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me three times? Come on. How many know that's all in the Bible? And it's all written there. Well, what happened out there? Peter, the scriptures teach us out there, he denied him three times. And then he went out, and he wept bitterly. Well, let me just tell you what happened inside of Peter's life. There was a brokenness that he engaged into and tapped into that brought a perspective of the Godhead, that brought a perspective of the one that he was with that was different than just a miracle worker, was different because he saw the compassion. He saw the love that he had because when Jesus rose from the dead, he told the disciples, go call, go call the disciples and Peter. He didn't say John. He didn't say Andrew. He didn't say Philip. He said, and Peter. Why? Because Peter was in the place of brokenness. Peter was in the place of personal pain. And I want to state this to everyone today. Your brokenness is the springboard into multiplication in your life. 
And if you get a hold of this here, folks, if you get a hold of this and you can make the adjustment like Peter did, something happened after the betrayal. The Bible says he went out and he wept bitterly. It wasn't just the weeping. He was weeping bitterly. If you look at that word bitterly, it speaks he was overwhelmed and what he had done and the personal defeats. And I want to just state this to you today. Your past is not what defines you. Your defeats are not what defines you. Your addiction is not what defines you. It, listen, your failures are not what defines you. What other people say is not what defines you. But what God's word says about you is what defines you today. And you are who God says you are. You have the mind of Christ. You have the forgiveness of God. You have the authority of the Son of God. You have, listen, the righteousness of God, not because of what you've done, but because of what he did for you. And until you understand this here, you'll never get back up. Until you understand the love that God has for you, you'll stay in sorrow. You'll stay. You know, isn't it amazing? In the book of Luke, it speaks about end times. And right in the middle of the end times, it speaks about Lot. Come on. And then it goes on, and it says, remember, of everything it says, there's so many incredible women in the Bible. You have Mary, the mother of Jesus. She should be the one we should remember. You have Esther, come on now, the one that was willing to lay it all down for her people. She should be in there. Come on. You have the prophetess Deborah. Come on. A male judge in a female-dominated society. Figure that out. She should be the one we remember. But he didn't say to remember any of those other women, any of the superstars that we know. He never said to remember one of them. But you know what? The Bible says there's only one woman in the Bible that God says to remember. And his name is, we don't even know what her name is, but it, her name is Remember Lot's Wife. Come on, church. Well, what is it about Lot's wife? Listen, when, when, when God told him to get out, go to Zara, he said, don't look back. Whatever you do, do not look back. So that was the only instruction that he had to the daughters. It's the only instruction he had to Lot. It's the only instruction he had to don't look back. And guess what? She looked back. I want to tell you it's not time to look back and what could have been and what would have been and what should have been inside your life. Your looking back is going to do nothing but mount pressure and mount more failure and more disappointments on your life. If you look back, it's for one reason and one reason only. Deal with the issues of the heart that needs forgiveness. Get that forgiveness you freely receive. Give it to someone else and then start looking forward. Come on, sir. It's not a time to look back to what happened during COVID. It's not a look time to look how the church used to be. It's not a time to look how my marriage used to be. It's a time to look forward and see what God has on the next page inside of your life. And understand that he's a master at taking broken people and making them into whole people. Because look at the apostle Peter. What's amazing about it, he was knocked down. He was, he was defeated. He was bruised. Come on now. He was brokenhearted because he had betrayed the one that he was in covenant with for three and a half years. Could you imagine the personal disappointment that he felt? Could you imagine coming back to his wife and saying, man, man, honey, whatever his wife was, you know, that's why it says in the Bible, Jesus healed his mother-in-law. Come on. So Peter had to be married. So it's in my estimation that the 11 disciples with Jesus, there was only one that paid temple tax. And the only ones that paid temple tax was Jesus. And the other one was Peter. Because if you were married or you were a certain age, I think it was 20 and up, you had to pay the temple tax. He said, go catch the fish and then take the coin out of it and pay the tax for me and for you. Come on. 
So that tells me all the other teen, all the other disciples of Jesus were probably teenagers. Can you say amen? It's teenagers that got passion. Come on. It's teenagers that said, hey, dude, d- 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 burn that sucker right up. Come on, James and John. They're called the sons of thunder. How many know the teenagers speak all kinds of things? Well, that's why they're a marked generation. What the enemy couldn't get them in abortion to take them out. Come on now. And couldn't get them in the religious spirit to take them out. Now there's some survivors that are going to be the lead way as the Moses of the day, of the Elijah of the day. And they're going to call the fire of God down. To, they're going to do the miracles of today. Why? Because they don't have any history to deal with. They're young and they're fervent. And our job is to exhort. Our job is to encourage. Our job is not to put fire, uh, put water on the fire. Our job is to let that fire burn further and further and further and go the more and the more and the more. But you'll never do it if you look back. It's not time for the church to look back. It's time for the church to look up. I told my friend this morning, listen, lift your head up. The Bible says when you lift your head up, you're actually tapping in to the creative juices that are in the inside of every one of us. He said, look up and know that your redemption draws near. It didn't say it's here, but it draws near. I want to tell the church today, look up, your redemption draws near. Look up and behold the king of glory and let the king of glory in. When you look up, you're tapping in to the creative part of your brain. When you look down, you're tapping in to whatever's going on in your emotions, whatever's going on in your family, whatever's going on, a pain in your life. Why? And Because the enemy is there to accuse. The enemy is there to deceive. The enemy is there to quench the fire out of your heart. Come on. And you look down. The Bible says the enemy is already under your feet. Depressed people, oppressed people never look up. They look down. Shift out of that depression today. Shift out of that anxiety today. Shift out of that disorder today and start shifting in to the king of glory. Peter gets up and the Bible says within 50 days From the day that Jesus rose from the dead, afterwards he went speaking about things of the kingdom for 50 days. You know, that's Pentecost, the number. And then it says the next thing, the man at the gate of beautiful. And then right afterwards, they bring Peter out and he walks down the street in his shadow from the sun. They actually bring the people in stretchers, the invalids, the crippled. They bring them all out. Come on now. Why? So they could just get by the shadow of Peter so they could be healed, so they can be delivered. My friends, I want to tell you, there's more than just a shadow today of the cross. There's a mirror of the image of God that is stamped into the DNA of every one of us that's in this room right now. Do you know that you have the very DNA of the Most High God? You talk this way and people freak out. The Bible said God made us in the very image and the likeness of God. That's why we see the dignity in every man. If you could just see today the crown that God has on every one of your head. I've been to England, and they got a crown jewel that's worth 38 million pounds. It's the most expensive crown in the world. But look at your neighbor and say, it ain't nothing like the crown on your head. Now, see, what does that mean? There's a crown of glory and a crown of honor upon every one of us in the room. And if you don't see that crown on one another, racism will come in. Judgment calls will come in. The failures of that person will come in. But we need to begin to see them the way that God sees them, crowned with glory and honor. And everybody said amen. Amen. Now, I'm ready to get started here. I haven't got there, so I'm just giving you the introduction, okay? So here's how this kingdom operates. 
if you understand this, Jesus taught in parables to the people on the outside, but to the people on the inside, his disciples, he shared the meaning of those parables. How many can say amen? You can hear the parable of the sower, and then you can read the stories on all three of the, uh, four of the accounts where then he went and broke it down to his disciples over there. So this is what I want you to get. Whenever there's the pressure, whenever there's the anxiety, whenever there's the fear, whenever there's a past failure, they aren't the things, listen, the enemy brings those things to try to take you out. But God's not caught off guard when those things happen in your life. And he can use them if you'll keep the right heart like Peter to be the springboards to bring you into multiplication. Let me tell you something. I wrote a book, and it's an incredible book on giving, on forgiving and thanksgiving. And then Kathy goes and shares all the miracles, which is from those principles on how they operate it. But I never recognized this until two, three weeks ago. And one night I'm up and I, I'm reading the same story. I'm actually preparing for the next day that I have to minister. And I'm reading this here story over here about he took the bread and he broke it. And as soon as I saw that, I says, okay, God, what am I missing here? You said the same thing in Matthew. You said the same thing in Mark. You said the same thing in Luke. And it says you took the bread and you broke it. And three of them wrote it down. John's gospel just says he distributed it. You look at the word distributed, he broke into pieces and handed it out. Come on. So it's the same thing. So he says, Rick, he says, brokenness is what precedes multiplication in a person's life. If they will keep the right attitude, come on. If they will forgive, come on now. If they will do their giving and do the forgiving. And giving has nothing. Listen, it says very little about that in money it speaks about. Come on. When we oftentimes use the scripture, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over with the measure that you give, shall men give back unto your bosom. Come on. How many know the Bible teaches that? But literally, uh, and, and forgive me, but it had nothing to do really with finances at that time. You can use it because it's a spiritual law, but it actually had to do judgment. When you judge, give it, and guess what? It's going to come back. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give unto your bosom? Why? Because God is not limited by men to meet your needs. God can use angels to meet your need. Come on, church. God can use a fish to meet your needs. God could use a donkey to meet your needs. And after going to Santorini just a month ago and driving on a mule, I, I learned a little bit about donkeys. They're very stubborn. Come on. And they don't do what you want them to do. They don't go where you want them to go. They go where they want to go. Come on. And, and, and so if God could use them, how many know he can use any animal? So this is the thing. But in, 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 in Mark, excuse me, in Luke's gospel, it spoke about Luke 6.38. It spoke about giving judgment. That's what's going to give back. It's not just going to go how you gave it out. It's going to come back good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give back unto your bosom. Good preaching. Thanks for the shouts and amen. Now, are you ready to get started with the message today? How many are ready to get started? Okay, so let's go, if we will, to this whole aspect I want to share on brokenness. I want you to look, if you will, for just a moment here. Okay, what am I doing wrong here? Okay, it's not opening, but now it is. There it is. Okay, here's the good news. Now listen to this here. This is the scripture. Where's the church world at today? I shared with the leaders last night. By the way, you got great leadership team in here. Very unified, very loving. Come on now. Very kind. And I know that Pauline was a great, Pauline was a great cook last, Paulette did a great job cooking last night, okay? 
I was talking to Kathy. That gravy she made made me so hungry. I could, and then she puts it on the homemade mashed potatoes, and it was so good. You guys missed the meal, okay? So, so I want to just state this here. Here's where the church is at. In Isaiah 58, it speaks about the church called to pray, the church called to intercede. Isaiah 58, it speaks about that this is the fast that's acceptable to God, the breaking of bands of injustice to let the captives go free. You can read Isaiah 58, and it, and it speaks about deliverance to all those that are bound. Isaiah 59, right after the prayer goes up, the prayer gets answered, but not in the way that we think it's going to be answered. It got answered with a society that totally turned away from God. Come on, Isaiah 59, and it says they hatched snakes, they hatched vipers, and they hatched spiders. I, I, I don't know about you, but I don't like snakes, okay? I don't like even the garden snakes. I don't like any snake, okay? I don't like vipers. Come on. And I surely don't like spiders, okay? I, I, I just, and another thing, I don't like rats. I can't handle them, okay? So, so anyway, but it said they hatch vipers, snakes, and spiders. It speaks about a society that totally rejected God. It speaks about a society that was cold. It speaks about cold-hearted, very critical, very judgmental. They lacked the fear of God. You can read Isaiah 59. Read the whole chapter, please, and you'll see it describes the society where you can't tell the, the difference between truth and a lie anymore. Okay? With the bribery going on within the nations, even within our nation here where the media brings a narrative of things, and that narrative is, is twisted. That narrative is not always accurate, not always. And I'm not here to get into the political aspect, okay, because God used that to get us to where he wants to go. Come on. And, and so you can't trust today what you hear. It's just, it's just the way it is. They say one thing, and then you find out afterwards that what they said wasn't true. Come on. Anyway, so anyway, so that's the narrative in 50. But then what does he say to the church? And the reason I say the church, how many know in the Old Testament, the glory of God can only come down upon the prophet, the priest, and the king. The glory was manifested. But God said in the new covenant that the glory is not going to come just on the prophet, the priest, and the king, but it's going to come on each one of us. Now, let me just state this here. I, I'm one of those guys that's very, very strong in the word, just like your pastors who do an incredible job of teaching and feeding you. And, 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 and listen very carefully. The word of God is what bites. The word of God is what lives. The word of God that's on us. The Bible says that we have. Everybody say we have. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Okay, well, I, I don't know. That's not very hard for me to understand. What's the treasure? Well, you take the context. It's the glory of God. Come on. And it says we have it. We're not trying to get it. We're not trying to bring it in. We're not trying to call it in. We're not trying to pray it in. We already have it. The glory, listen, church, the glory of God is already deposited on the inside of everyone in this room. I remember years ago, my daddy died 10 years ago, so this was uh, 10 years ago. My brother calls me up after dad died, and he says, hey, Richard, I need you to come over here. I said, what's up? He says, I got to get rid of some money real quick. And he says, if I don't get rid of $150,000 today, the government's going to take all dad's, uh, going to take this year money and overage in his estate. They put a new tax on I'm not going to develop all that thing. He lives in the United States. So I said, okay, great. He says, uh, I, I said, what are you talking? He said, he said son, he, he said, uh, Richard, you got to come over now. I got $50,000 for you. 
and it's U.S. dollars. Ten years ago, check out the exchange rate. It's a pretty nice piece of change, okay? So anyway, so I said, I, I can adjust my schedule, Anthony. I'll be over, okay? So, so, so I goes over there, literally, listen. I go over there that day, and my brother says, you need to cash this check now. And I says, why? He said, he said Dad, is, Dad is on his, last, on his last leg. He's in hospice. He could go. I said, I saw him yesterday. He looks fine. He said, Richard, you need to cash this check now. So I said, okay. So he came with me to Bank of America. I have an account over there. We cashed the check. It went into my account, and I had $50,000 U.S. money. Can you say amen? The same night my dad dies. Okay? So he has an estate now. And so everything, that money would have all been lost, and God used an unsaved person to get it. Come on. Okay. So anyway, I'll leave that. But, but there was another thing that Daddy had that none of us knew about was a safety. I shouldn't say none of us. My brother knew he had it because he was executor of the will. Dad had a safety deposit box. And it wasn't one of the one skinny ones. It was a real big one. And he said, Richard, I need you and Grace to come over here because there's some money that we actually have. Okay, that's in there, and we don't know how much it is. We don't know anything on there. And he says, I need you to come over because they lived in the States. And so, uh, again, I went over there, and I met him, and he said, uh, he said, okay, we're going in there. Got the key, opened up the box. The lady comes in there, and they pull it out. And, and all I can say is there was so much money and so much jewelry and so much wealth that was inside that box that day, it blew me away. I had it. It belonged to me, but I didn't even know I had it. My friend Mark Hazard bought a car, and it was an old Buick, and uh, it was about a five-year-old Buick when he bought it, and he goes into his dealership, and he pulls out the key fob. I don't have one. I have one of those Teslas now, so I don't have a key fob with me. But anyway, on the key fob, he goes and he says to the, the guy over at the manager at the Buick dealership in uh, Gus Revenberg's over in Windsor, and he says, uh, I need to get an uh, electric starter. My wife wants this uh, uh, electric starter on the car. And he says, he says, Mark, let me see your key fob. So he takes the key fob. He says, Mark, you already have an electric starter on your car. It's this button here. Well, Mark had the button and didn't know what that button was. Okay. And it's on his key fob. He already has it. But because he didn't know it, he was never able to be a recipient of that. I'm saying all that because the church has the glory of God in you. Okay, the church already has the peace with God in you. Now he says, permit it, allow it to rule and reign in your heart. The church already has, listen very carefully, the authority of God. Quit praying for the power down. The Bible says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could expect, think, or ask, according to our in measure with the power that worketh in us. The power of God is already in every one of you today. There's a miracle already in the inside. And the enemy wants to keep those difficulties, those challenges, those contradictions in your life to keep you down from experiencing in the multiplication in your life. Are we all there? So Isaiah chapter 60 says, come on, church, everybody stand up for a moment. Arise, say it with me, arise and shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen. Say it again, is risen. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. 
It's risen upon you. It couldn't rise under the old covenant. That's a new covenant passage. It's in the inside of you, the manifested glory of God. The Shekinah of glory is in you, and that is why the devil hates you. That's why he wants to keep you quiet. That's why he wants to steal your joy. That's why he wants to steal your shout, and that's why he wants to get you into murmuring. He said, for darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But he says, then, 3,978 thens in the Bible. Immediately afterwards, immediately, then, what does he say? Then my glory shall be revealed, shall be manifested among you. Go ahead and be seated. What does that mean? Church, Everything that's going on was why we were born for this day. You're here today. Let me tell you, let me tell you to the 60-year-olds, to the 70-year-olds today, and you watching by live stream, the most productive years from a secular study is between 60 and 70 years of age. It took me, it took me in my 30s eight years to write my first book. But in my 60s, I wrote two and a half in one year. Come on now. Closer to 70. I, I, I want to just state we're living in the most productive time. How's your mindset right now? Ah, you know, we're just getting old and we're just going to just veg and we're just going to do this here. My daddy tried to retire in Florida at 72 years of age. He went down and was looking for a place. And after two weeks of golf and after two weeks of being bored out of his head, he says, I'm never retiring. Can you say amen? And was still active too. He's 90 years old when he went home to be with Jesus. I want to just tell you guys, listen, I'm saying all that. Brokenness is meant by the enemy to take you out, but God uses it to build you up. Listen, look at, look at Joseph. I mean, could you imagine being sold by your brothers into slavery? Come on. And then lie to your dad about what really happened. And then Jacob is carrying that. His name is Israel, we know, the one with power with God. But we know that he's carrying that grief and that sorrow all these here years, all along. He's broken inside for his son. And then what happens? The famine hits, comes in. And then what happens out there? They, wanna, they, they, they have to go down to Egypt to get seed. And Joseph is there now speaking through an interpreter. And he sees his brothers come in. And I'm sure as soon as he saw his brothers come in and understand by this time, it was 22 years, 22 years of disappointments, 22 years of pain, 22 years of grief, 22 years. And the Bible says he never once wept prior to his brothers coming in. You won't see it when they sold him into slavery. You won't see it when he got promoted. You won't see it when he was betrayed by the butler and the baker. You won't see any tears. But when his brothers came in, he wept. Come on now. I want to tell you there's people that have been weeping for a long time. And I want to tell you your deliverance is coming. Come on. Joseph went from the pit to the palace in one day. Okay. You say, how do you get that there? He was 17 when he was sold. It was 30 when he came from the pit to the palace. The seven good years on to the 13 is 20. And two years in is when the prophetic word was fulfilled. It took 22 years of darkness, 22 years of rejection, 22 years of disappointment, 22 years of betrayal. One hit after the next hit, after the next hit, after the... And all the time he kept his honor and he kept God. I want to just state to everyone today, if you will keep the honor spirit alive inside of your life, even to those that have dishonored you, God's able to work in your life. 
God's able to promote you and bring you up to another dimension. Why? Because the call on his life was incredible. The call was so big that it was just beyond what he had thought in that life. Just before, uh, what I've learned is, is I've watched over the years, and I've learned about breakthroughs. And as I've studied breakthroughs, and I can get back to Isaiah. Well, let me get back to Isaiah, then I'll get to breakthroughs, okay? So Isaiah 15, uh, 60 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness to people. But then my glory shall be seen manifest upon you. And then you go to 61. The glory now positions you to release the anointing. And it says in, in, in Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus operated in this here as a man anointed with the Holy Ghost in power. So right from the prayer going on, then the darkness, and then into 60, the arising, come on now, the positioning of the church now for the end times. He goes into 61, and he says, for the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and hath anointed me. And then the first thing that he goes on, to heal the brokenhearted. Come on. Listen, listen, not the one that's connected, to heal the brokenhearted. That's for us. That's a prophetic word, I believe, to all of us that have been broken in this season because what I've learned in this, this season is my dependence on God is stronger today than it's ever been in my entire life. I've learned that I can become dependent on WCF, the church that I pastored for all those years, the church that was paying me to the day that I died, the church that I, I respected, the church that I, I could become very complacent and very comfortable just being in there, and all of a sudden in the day, things changed overnight. Okay? So I'm not here to get into that there because I'm not going to be Joe. I'm not going to be looking back like Lot's wife. Okay, but I'm looking forward, and that's why I can tell you the provision of God, the presence of God, the anointing of God has not diminished. It's increased, if anything. But hang on. The anointing was there for a purpose. 62 goes in to speak about the watchman and a cry from the watchman to keep the people of God in peace. I've never seen a time in the earth today where there's been more challenges to keep my personal peace. Come on. Maybe, maybe I'm the only one. Can anybody relate right now? Okay, so to keep our peace, so important. And the, the cry of the watchman was to keep the peace. And then finally it went on right afterwards, 63 and 64 speaks of judgment and harvest to go on. Folks, this is a prophetic message right now because Isaiah, the Bible says in 2 Peter 1, keep the word of the prophets. Take heed to the words of the prophets. There's teachers today that are teaching, don't go to the Old Testament. You'll just get confused. Don't go to there. There. I want to tell you, the New Testament says, speak to yourself in Psalms. The New Testament says five examples of what kept the children of Israel out of the promised land. And they're examples for you that you don't make the same mistake. And people make that mistake every day. He says, neither murmur ye as they murmured. And 28,000 were destroyed by the destroyer. Come on. And so the New Testament is the foundation for the Old and any teacher that's telling us today, you don't need to get into that. You don't, Listen, just shun them. Just, just ignore them. Don't listen to them. Don't pay attention to them. Come on. Let me just say another thing while we're here. I don't know what, what, what's going on uh, in here. I don't know what's going on in the city. But I know there's the extreme grace teaching today that lacks something that's so important to God. And it's called the fear of God. Why don't we just take what the Bible says? The grace of God hath appeared to all men, teaching us grace is a teacher to deny ungodliness. Anything to do with the lack of the fear of God means to deny ungodliness. Okay? It teaches us and empowers us to live soberly and to live presently 
in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and appearing of the great God, our Savior. Can you all say amen? That's what the grace of God is today. It's being used today for other things. But I just want to say it's a teacher. It's an instructor. It's an empower that gives us the ability to live the overcoming victorious life. Come on now. Not to stay in pity, not to live in the past, but it gives us the power to break forth from sin. breaks the power of the lack of the fear of God in our life. Is anybody learning anything? So 63 and 64 speaks about judgment. Everybody say judgment. And then it says harvest. Judgment? Come on. And harvest. Okay, what did, what did I just say? So listen carefully. We're coming into a time we're going to see the judgments of God manifest in the earth. And it's not going to be in an isolated place. It's going to hit the earth. It's time when the judgments fall in an unparalleled way. Do you know we have a church over right now that Kath and I speak at in Fort Myers that is doing unparalleled works for God right now from that devastating hurricane that had hit. And more people have come to Christ in this last season than has in 10 years in the church. And it's a strong church down there. We're seeing unparalleled things that are going on down there in ministering to hopeless, devastated individuals that prior to that judgment, prior to that thing coming in, they had no need for God. And all of a sudden, within overnight, it all turned around. And other churches are all working together in an unparalleled fashion today to minister. So here's what I, here's what I want to say. Judgment and harvest is what's on the horizon. Don't be afraid of the famines coming. Don't be afraid, listen, of the wars and the rumors of wars that are here. Don't be afraid, listen very carefully, of the lawlessness without law, without restraint that Matthew 24, 12 prophesied about. Don't be afraid about any of these things that are coming. And let me just state this here. There's a suffering according to the will of God that the church has already entered into. And if we don't understand this here, persecution, we're, not, uh, uh, we're not exempt from persecution. It's not coming to America. It's not coming to Canada. It's already here. Our dear friends out in Western Canada are going through it right now in an unparalleled fashion with the Christian schools that's going on right now. It's going on. And it's coming with lawsuits. It's coming from communities. If you know the new, check out the new legislation that's coming in in Ontario with the schools of, of bringing to your kids now on same-sex identity and, and seven, uh, seven other sexual orientations that your children are going to be asked now in the school, which one are you? This isn't coming, folks. It's already here. Okay? And it's going to put greater pressure on. So hang on. Hang on. So what do we got to focus on in spite of all that? We're not going to focus on what the enemy is doing. We're going to focus on souls. We're going to focus on reaching the lost. We're going to focus on good works. Come on. We're going to be zealous of good works. We're going to be examples of good works. We're going to be passionate of good works. We're going to be fervent of good works. Come on, church, because the Bible said, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and bring glory to the Father. Crossroads you're already doing, but it's going to go up in another dimension. It's going to go up in another level. Come on, church. Because more souls are going to come in. So here's the thing. This is what God told me. Don't focus on judgment. Focus on harvest. Because those are going to be the opportunities that God uses as springboards into it. Listen carefully. Read the book of Isaiah, please. Isaiah 63 and 4 speaks of judgment and harvest. 
And then he goes right into Isaiah 65. And guess what? I saw the new heavens and the new earth come down from heaven. Come on. Onto the earth wherein dwelleth the new heavens and the new earth in 65. And then 66, a lot of teachers today are afraid to talk about hell, are afraid to talk about eternal separation, are afraid about that. But the reality is, because they don't even know the words of the prophet, the place where the worm dieth not and the fires near quench is 66, the doctrine of eternal state. I want to tell you, we are on the predifice today of seeing the greatest visitation the world has ever seen. The devil, the Antichrist, is not going to have the last say. But Jesus Christ is where your focus is to be. Don't look back. Look ahead and look into the King of glory. His grace is upon you. His anointing is upon you. His glory is inside you. Let's finish the job well for Jesus. I want to close. Glory to God. Everybody stand up. Okay, are you all ready? The multiplication will come in your life, will come for your family, will come from your prayers, if you could stay sweet in spite of the sour. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, stay sweet. Tell them you look sweet, but stay sweet when you leave the church building in spite of the sour. And everybody said amen. All right, I want you to say this to your neighbor. I, I believe it's okay to still speak faith. Amen? I believe it. So that's where we're positioned right now. Kathy and I don't ever plan on retiring. So many people, when I transitioned our church, we made it very clear we're going into apostolic. We were doing this here. And people, how are you enjoying retirement? It's like you didn't get it. Where did we ever say we're retiring? We're refiring, but we're not retiring. Amen? But Because but, our most productive years are ahead. They're ahead of us. I believe that with everything in me, that my most productive years are ahead. I believe this church's best days are ahead. I believe your pastors, all of them, an incredible team here, your best days are all ahead. Amen. So get ready when the, the thing doubles overnight. Get ready when it triples overnight. Get ready to go to four services if you have to. Just get ready when that time frame comes. You say, how can that ever happen here? I don't know. My expectation is very high for this here church. My expectation, because I feel there's a spirit of faith in here, and faith calls the things that be not as though they already are. I got a spiritual son in, a, in, in Brampton right now. He called me the other day, and he says, he said, Dad, he calls me Dad. He said, Dad, he says, he says, we're already at two services. And he said, there's no more room. We set every available chair up. I said, son, you're not listening to your dad. I told you to go to three services two months back. And you haven't done it yet. Repent and get back on there. Start getting your teams ready to go to three. He says, well, you're coming in two weeks. And he said, I don't know what we're going to do. I said, I already told you what you're supposed to do. Just prepare for the three services. Come on, church. Well, if God's doing that in Brampton, Trenton's on his time frame too. God's got his eyes on you. You think he's forgotten about you up in Trenton? Come on, church, you guys are pivotal for what God does. And now you got the director of Ministers Network Canada in the largest area in the whole fellowship across Canada. And it's Travis and Camilla Blake. And tomorrow we're going to lay hands on them. Folks, this isn't something I take for granted. Are you all there? So everybody lift your hands up right now and say, Multiplication is destined for me. It's in my DNA. It's on the inside of me. It's in my heritage. It's my future. I decree multiplied blessings are coming my way. 
Blessings to my home. Blessings to my marriage. Blessings of revelation. Blessings of finances. Blessings of divine favor. Blessings of the miracles. Blessings of the harvest. I decree that my family, all those members, are coming into the kingdom. I decree the blinders are being lifted off. And I decree that the eyes of God are targeting in on my prayers and my family. The backsliders are coming in. The young ones are coming in. The old ones are coming in. The hopeless ones are coming in. The attic ones are coming in. Now let me just pray. Satan, loose them now. I command the scales scattered and shattered off of every one of the loved ones represented here today. I bind them to the mind of God, to the voice of God, to the conviction of God, to the forgiveness of God, to the love of God, to the hope of God, to the mercy of God, and to the compassion of God, and to the goodness of God, which leads them to repentance. I loose every lie. I loose every excuse. And I decree that empty seat next to me is going to be filled by loved ones. I decree that they're coming back home morning, noon, and night. The voice of God is never quieting. The voice of God is never uh, uh, never diminishing, but the voice of God is roaring loud in their ears in their waking moment in Jesus' name. And everybody said, I decree, come on, I decree healing flowing in and through me. I decree miracles are here today. I receive them. I decree today that multiplied grace enabling me to fulfill the mandate of heaven is upon my life. I want to close with the story. Job's wife, to many of us in this room, was a loser. Job's wife, to Rick Shimatero, was a write-off. I'm ashamed that I wrote about her. How would you like to be married to a woman like that? In my first book. I didn't know. But I've recognized it. A woman that has lost a child in a miscarriage. A woman that has lost a child premature. A woman like I go to Sudbury that started with a cross in a park. And she planted that first cross in there in Sudbury, Ontario. Number two in all Canada today for, uh, for uh, fentanyl overdoses. She brought a cross out there in remembrance of her son and the memory of him. And now today, that whole park is filled with crosses today of all the fentanyl deaths that have gone on in there. I just did a funeral of a young man three weeks ago. Kathy and I were overseas. We got the call that her director, her new director coming on, her son, it's a woman's home. We wanted to launch a men's home. Her son died of a, a, a fentanyl. He'd been clean for a year, went back four or five days, and ended up killing himself. But this here, this is reality, folks. This is the war that you and I are in. Can you say amen? But I decree those drug addicts are coming home. I decree those alcoholics are being delivered. I decree that God has a future and a plan for every one of them. And it's not a plan for evil. It's not a plan for bad. It's not a plan for paybacks, but to give them hope and value. And we're going to be the arms. We're going to be the hands. We're going to be the feet of Jesus to reach every one of them. Job's wife was written off because she made a statement. Job why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you? I mean, how unkind could she possibly be? I guess Rick Shimatero didn't understand grieving at that time because she had lost 10 kids. Not one, not two, and not diminishing the value of one. 
not diminishing the value of two. Somebody needs to hear this today. Somebody's going to get healed today, right now. And she lost 10. And she got back up again. And the Bible says that she had three daughters that were the most beautiful daughters in the land. Job never remarried. Job never divorced her. It never says anything of that. But they got back and they had 10 more kids. Everything he lost, and he was the wealthiest man in the land, was restored back double. But it came after the pain. Come on. It came after the brokenness. It came after the betrayal. It came after all those things. And she said, why don't you just curse God and die? Understanding that she thought God was the one doing it to her husband. It wasn't God doing it. Come on. She had the wrong theology. It's truly stated, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be his name. It's truly stated, but it's not a statement of truth. And when we rightly divide the word of God, we need to understand that the lies that people spoke, Ananias and Sapphirah, are truly stated, but they're not statements of truth. Good preaching. That's another message for another time. Anyway, she got back up again, and she had three daughters that are the most beautiful in the land. And it's a beautiful story of restoration, how God can take a broken life. I'm here to prophetically say to the church, we're going to see story after story after story of how God took him out of this and brought him in. How God took him out of slavery and brought him in. How God took him out of human traffic and brought him in. How God took him out of their addiction and brought him in. Can you all say amen? That's the destiny for every one of us. We're to be the hands. We're to be the feet of Jesus. Let's next week all get them out there. I'm going to tell you, I've never seen people as open today in all my years of ministry, 48. I've never seen people more open to God. Everywhere I go, it doesn't matter where I'm at, I go, I got a cracked windshield on my car. I didn't complain. I gave God thanks in the midst of it, took it in, and it's a backslidden Christian that was there, got him right with God, and then one of his employees is right there, led her to Christ. Come on now. I'm on a plane, and they, get, they took me on a milk run from St. John's, Newfoundland, over to Halifax to Montreal to get to St. John's, New Brunswick. Don't ask me why they did that, but God had an appointment on that because I gave thanks, come on, in the midst, and the guy was an RV dealership over in Montreal, led him to Christ. Got another guy on the way back from Montreal. Now I'm in Montreal doing a TV program after being on several flights and doing it right there live at the airport when all the announcements are being made and everything else. They're, they're airing it at 7 a.m. in the morning because uh, I was coming in, did the program, and a big burly guy comes next to me on the plane. He said, hey, what do you do for a living, man? I says, I'm a motivational speaker for pastors, okay? And he says, oh, great. Like, what do you do? You know, so I broke it all down. He ended up coming to church the next day with his wife, his mother-in-law, and his son. Come on. And they lived two blocks away from the church I was speaking at. I'm telling you, people are just open for the gospel like no other time. So it's not a time to let down, but it's a time to look up. Can you say amen? Because our redemption draws near. Father, as we go today, thank you for the hunger. Thank you for the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes that teaches us that out of the rejections, out of the betrayals, out of the disappointments, there's a sudden good break that's going to turn things around. I ask today that that would be lifted up into the minds, into the understanding, into the souls of everyone that is here. And I'm hearing the Lord say, quit looking back. There's somebody been stuck. You're looking back. You're looking back at what could have been, would have been, should have been, and you're stuck. And God's saying it's not time to focus on what's behind, but move forward. The Apostle Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forward towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's time to shift today, sir. It's time to shift. There's a couple today that you've been looking back 
and it's been torment, it's been pain, and God's saying shift out of it today and start looking forward and let the king of glory come in. I'm hearing right now that there's a relationship that has been damaged severely, and it's been a grieving that has gone on to a family that's in here, and it's from loved ones, and I'm hearing God saying there's balm in Gilead, and the balm's going to come through your hands. It's going to come from your heart as you make that initiative in it and even loose the situation from your life. God's going to have the ability then to shift it around and bring a breakthrough for your life. Thank you, Lord. Somebody's been caught up in the gall of bitterness, and it's not even your offense. It was somebody else's offense. And you've been, have, you've been holding on to it, and you've been watering that there over and over and over. And there's an attitude now coming from a, from a, a whole people group. And God's saying it's time for that to shift off. It's time to break out and come into another dimension now of my grace. But my grace starts with the forgiveness first. And as you release that forgiveness, so I can forgive you of the things that you have done. God's in the restoration. Last thing, lift up your hands and say, I thank God. I'm in Trenton, Ontario. This morning, at this time, at this day in history. And I want to be a part of the glorious church that ushers in Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, and the King of kings. Let's give a warm welcome to Pastor Travis as he comes. Amen. Awesome. Amen. Amen. Just before we're seated, I know you've been standing for, for a long time. I just want everyone to bow their, their hearts and close your eyes and bow your head. I just want to give an opportunity. And if you're following us online, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, and today is the day. The Bible says, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And we look around us and we see darkness and we see tribulation and we see all of the, the society is falling apart. But Jesus is hope. Amen. And if you're in this place, I just want you to raise your hand. If you're on the live stream, the Lord sees you. Just raise your hand. I see your hand over there. I see your hands over there. I see your hand. There's four or five hands up here. The Bible says, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. I want to lead you in a prayer, and if we could just join together, say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. I ask that you would forgive me for my sins and cleanse me from the inside out. Send your spirit to live in me. I call you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.